Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Good to see you guys. Hope you're all doing well. Man, it's good to be back here. I was in Minneapolis um, for the good part of the week, series of meetings with our, our denomination. We're part of a denomination called the Evangelical Free Church of America, which is settled or uh, started by a bunch of Swedes and Norwegians up in, up in Minnesota, so a bunch of former Vikings, you know. And uh, so they all came and, and settled up there. And, and uh, then there's these crazy people that, that uh, you know, elect crazy people like Jesse Ventura and everything else to their, to their, uh, yeah, and uh, Al Franken and that kind of thing. But anyway, they're great people. So we hung out with uh, these guys, and, but good to be back here in Arizona. If you have a Bible, turn to, to Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. So glad you're here. I'm Tim Jacobs, lead pastor. If I already said that, I'm sorry. My brain's a little bit uh, fried today, but if you're just joining us, if this is your first time, our series is called Civility. And so as you're turning and finding Colossians chapter 3, if you have a Bible, it's towards the back of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We'll have the verses on the screen. But we define civility as the art of upholding human dignity, even in the face of sharp disagreement with others. So somehow, some way, in this society, I've got to be able to figure out a way to disagree with you without completely destroying you as a human being. And, and you can disagree with me without hitting below the belt, without um, going there in such a way that we have a relationship that's irreparable. And so you and I may not see eye to eye, but our way forward is not by attacking each other, but doing our best to understand each other. And as we look, as the world continues to just kind of battle all this stuff out on so many fronts, we really have three options. You know, we can either check out or uh, sell out or reach out. That's really only our three options. We could check out, sell out, or reach out. So if we check out, we just kind of resign ourselves to anger and cynicism. We just kind of wash our hands of everything and say, you know what, I'm out, man. I'm sick of dealing with these crazy people. I'm just going to further isolate myself. I'm just going to hang out with people that agree with me. I'm just going to watch the news and, and, and insulate myself with, with, with those sites and, and media outlets that that continue to reinforce what I think, and I'm just gonna forget the rest of the world exists and become uh, somebody who lives in my cocoon. Or you can sell out, which means you just say, you know, I, I'm done trying to, to fight the culture wars. I'm just going to throw my hands up and say, whatever the culture decides about, about sexuality or marriage or religion or truth or whatever, I just don't want to say or do anything that's going to make anybody mad at me and call me a hater. I'm just, I'm done. So you throw your hands up. But we don't really have those two options. If you're a Christian, you're not supposed to check out, and you're not supposed to sell out. What we are supposed to do is reach out, which means I extend a hand out to somebody and try to help them understand who I am and I can understand who they are. But the, really the thing that compels us more than anything else is the gospel. Because the gospel is the center core of everything that we believe. And guys, this is very, very important. It astounds me actually 
that, that we've been talking, uh, that, that there's been people who've come to our church for so long and, and we've been talking these things through and still I feel like some of us don't quite really understand. So I'll take the blame for that and say, we have to continue to say, what is this gospel message that we are all about here? And the gospel can be basically summed up into two statements. I am a great sinner, but Christ is a great savior. That's it. I'm a great sinner, but it does, it's okay because Christ is a great savior. We've said that so many times, but I want to reinforce that is the core dimension of, of our faith. That's why we call it good news. It's really, really good news. And so if you're a Christian, you've come to the point in your life where you realize that the problem lies within you. The problem lies within me. And we all come face to face with, as, the, the, as Carl Jung, the, the, one of the fathers of psychoanalytics, said we, we, you come to the face to face with the monster that lives inside you. And you realize there's something very wrong with you. That you have a, a, a sensational, tragic capacity for evil. But not only a capacity for evil, but you really have a history of evil. Because while you may not have been a rapist or a murderer or something like that, you have been a person who's been deceitful and manipulative and angry and violent and vindictive and vengeful and prideful and lustful and angry. And so this realization moves you to a place of desperation where you go, what do I do with myself? What do I do with this? And when you see that, the beauty of that is you finally see truth. You see yourself for who you really are. And it's at that moment that God meets you. And it's at that moment that you find repentance and forgiveness. It's that moment that Jesus Christ sheds his innocent blood for you. And God gives up his only son so that you could walk free. So that this monster of sin inside doesn't have to characterize you anymore. It's not who you are. And so we have no choice but to be people who live out of a response to the grace that's been shown us. I mean, if you've really been rescued from, from hell, if you've really been rescued from yourself and from your sin, if you really do not have to worry at all, not one ounce about facing the consequences of your sin because it's all been forgiven and your standing with God has is, is been elevated to that of a son and a daughter, then you're gonna live a life of gratitude and humility. You're gonna say, man, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And that's gonna overflow. And the, and the qualities of humility and gratitude are the most attractive qualities you can have as a human being. Who doesn't want to be around a person who is humble and grateful? They're beautiful qualities. And so it's in this vein that, um, that we'll dive into this. And so it says this in Colossians chapter three. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the first thing you notice about the first part of that verse is it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. And the, the idea of putting on then is like putting on new clothes. Because you're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You have this new set of clothes and you never get a second chance to make it first impression, right? What you wear says a lot about you. And so you, you communicate a lot. And so the challenge is, is we, we looked at last week, there's old clothes you gotta take, you gotta take off. You gotta get rid of these old clothes of anger and malice and rage and all that stuff and slander and obscene talk and all the things we talked about last week. And if you miss that, you can go online and listen because we, we talked about a lot of stuff. But you gotta take those old clothes off. They're not who you are anymore. It's kind of like, you know, if, if ever, someone ever comes up to you and says, you know, hey, the, the 1980s called, they want their members only jacket back, right? That's kind of a sign that maybe you gotta give it up because it's outdated. It's, oh, it doesn't fit you anymore, right? Hopefully I didn't offend some of you with the members only comment. You're like, it, it really? I just can't wear that? And no, you cannot wear that anymore. Maybe like in 20 years, it may come back around or you could sell it on eBay as a relic from the past, but you gotta give that thing up. The point is, the, the, the style has changed. The style has changed and this doesn't fit you anymore. You gotta put on the new clothes and the new clothes are things that characterize who you really are. So you replace the new clothes, the old clothes for the new ones and they characterize your life. So compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. Now let me ask you, why, why, why should we show any of these qualities to anybody? Why? The answer is simple, because those are the qualities that were shown to us. And this is what's really amazing. You see, compassion, the word compassion, means concern over another's misfortune. Did you know that? That's the word actually means concern over another's misfortune. And you know what's weird about that? is because misfortune, that almost makes it seem like something bad happened to this person, right? But, but we know that, that we come to God as sinful people who, like, we're responsible for the, the sins that we've committed. Like, we're responsible for our pride and our lust and our, our greed and our vengefulness and all this kind of stuff. We, we come to God as, like, bearing all this sin and shame. It's not like it's a misfortune, What's amazing though is that God sees our sin but still has compassion on us as though like we, we, we're responsible but yet he knows our predicament. He knows we can't save or rescue ourselves. And it's that, that soft heart. This is that, I, know what, I know what you did but I love you anyway. And that's, that's, a, that's a revolutionary kind of love, you guys. That's something that that most people don't think that God has. Most people think that God's just like, oh, he doesn't care, you know, no one's really a sinner, it doesn't matter, you can just do whatever you want, and God's just, he's like this, you know, this nice guy that doesn't really care, but no, no, God cares, but then there's on the other side, there's people who go, well, God, you know, he's very angry with you, and if you don't repent, and you don't live right, he's gonna just, you know, toss you into hell. They don't see that really this kind of both end, like there's, a, there's yes, there's a, an acknowledgement that there's great evil, but at the same time, there's this great love that God has for us. This is hard because shouldn't I take what's coming to me? Shouldn't I get what I deserve? Shouldn't I have to feel the consequences of my actions? And God could have said the same thing about us, but he didn't. He had compassion on us anyway. And you know, some of us, 
um, if you can't get there with people in your life, if you can't get there with people, you gotta really step back and say, have I really thought about the, the compassion that God has shown me? That while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. You know, I think about like some of the idiotic things I did when I was a kid. And I was, it, more than anything else, it was just like the old word tomfoolery, you know? Just a lot of just stupid things um, that I did. I just, I, when, I was, when I was a middle school kid, I'd wake up in the morning and I, my, in my mind, I would actively think, what can I get away with today, you know? I wanted to just like, how can I do something bad? And get, this is what I thought. Some of you maybe don't ever thought that way, but I did. I'm just like, I, I want to do wrong things and get away with them. And um, not necessarily always evil things, but just mischievous. And then they ended up being hurtful and, and you know, annoying things to people. But, um, but I, I think about like, what was God thinking when he looked at this 13, 14 year old kid? What was he really thinking? Was he... On the one hand, he's going, Jacobs, you're, you're being an idiot. But on the other hand, he's going, you know what? Your sheep has gone astray, and I love you. And I'm, ca- I'm calling out for you. I'm calling out for you, and I'm coming to get you. And I'm so grateful that God had compassion on me. And it's very convicting for me when I think about that, and then I don't have compassion on other people. Now, this is important because he goes on to talk about kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And how do you show these qualities to people? Especially people you disagree with because the whole series is called civility. So how do we become people who are able to show um, meekness and, and by the way, meekness doesn't mean weakness, by the way. The, the definition of meek is power under control. That's what that means. So a meek person is a person that could take you out but doesn't because they've, they've restrained themselves. Meekness is when you could just slaughter a person verbally, whatever else, but you go, I'm going to show you grace anyway. That's me. It's not meekness like, you know, your shoulders are slumped over and you're like, oh, no. It's strength, but it's under control. So here's the thing we were talking, because we were talking about this with some of our staff. Like, how do, you, how do you engage people in a compassionate way, in a way that's got kindness and patience, in a way that you really can um, reach people in a way that, that is effective? And when you look at the world, there's, everyone's shouting over each other, and you know, you watch news shows, or you see stuff on social media, and everyone's like, wants to get their point across, and they, there's the kind of people that, that and I, I've done this to people, where like, if they're talking, I, I've totally checked out what they're saying, and I'm just waiting for them to take a breath so I can jump in, right? I can jump in and just start going, right? Because I don't want to interrupt them, I just want to wait till they stop their sentence, and then I'm going to, right? So that's how we do. So here's, here's a tactic. Let me give you a tactic, which by the way, let me tell you, there's this connection group homework right here. And um, there's a connection group homework that you have for your connection groups. And one of the th- questions here, it's um, somewhere, it says, oh, what is one of the tactics Pastor Tim talked about to practically work this out, especially with difficult people? So that's a question that you could actually, here's the answer to it so you can get this. Um, when you guys talk about it in your connection group, here's the, are you ready for this? This is an amazing um, thing that you can do to help bridge the gap with, between you and someone you disagree with. Ready for this? It's very simple. Ask questions with a humble curiosity. Ask questions with a humble curiosity. One of the best skills you can develop in your life is the ability to ask thoughtful questions out of what I heard one guy say, thoughtful or humble curiosity. This is something that anyone can do. 
because you have nothing to lose if you simply ask a question. So rather than always trying to get your point across, if you're in a discussion, and people, they, they freak out. On one hand, people get really, really super angry when it comes to civility, right, and, and issues of people we disagree with. So I'm gonna get really angry and go off and you know say all my points. Or on the other hand, I'm really afraid, and I don't wanna talk to anybody, so I just don't wanna engage anybody because I don't want anybody to, to, to call me names, whatever else. So, so both, both sides of the spectrum are wrong. But the way to bridge the gap with people in a, in a, in a way that actually communicates kindness and patience and meekness is to ask questions with a truly humble curiosity. And so what that means is, I'm, I'm asking you, when, I, when you and I have a disagreement, I go, hey, help me understand how you came to that conclusion. Help me understand where you got those ideas from or help me understand what led you to that place, I really genuinely want to know because I don't understand. I don't agree with that, but that's not important. I want to know why it is you think that. And then all you got to do is sit back and listen. And you don't ask the questions in a way that you, some people ask questions in a way so they can just pounce on somebody. Like they, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question um, in a way to kind of trap you. No, you don't do, you honestly ask Hey, help me, help me. So, so what is it like? And from your vantage point, what do you see? And the great thing, see, my, my mother taught me this. She said, Tim, everyone loves talking about themselves. Because you think about yourself more than you think about ever, anyone else, right? You really do. I mean, no offense, but I think about myself more than I think about you guys. I do, you know? And so when someone asks me a question, I just like talking. I, 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 and by the way, when you ask someone a question, they're going to think you're the smartest person in the world. You know why? Because you ask them something, and they know a lot. <laughs> and they're like, this person is very smart because I'm smart, and they recognize my smartness, which makes them smart. And they listen to me. That makes them a very wise and reputable person. They, I'm telling you, no one has ever, dis- unless you truly are socially, you know, whacked, n- you, no one will shoot you down for asking them an honest question with true, humble curiosity. And so, you know this. Now, we all know, for example, like the holidays are coming up, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, all this kind of stuff. And this is a wonderful opportunity. The holidays that time where we end up hanging out with people that we only see once a year for a reason, right? (laughs) Isn't it true? I mean, if you really wanted to see these people more, you would figure out a way to see them more. But you see them once a year because you have to, right? And so you sit around the Thanksgiving table and you got to figure out how you're not going to stab your uncle in the eye with a meat thermometer, (laughs) right? Because this person believe something totally different from you. And there's tension at the table because of politics, because of current events, because of all this stuff. And somebody's going to light the match, man. Someone's going to light it off. Maybe not you, but somebody's going to do it. And what's going to happen at that point? And I'm going to tell you, if you just start spouting off and doing it, you're not going to win any friends. All you got to do is just ask questions. Get the person talking and just, just nod your head. And then what you do when you ask questions, you ask follow-up questions. Like just listen to what the person's saying. So when you said that, do you mean blah, 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 blah? And then what, what are you doing? You're beginning to break down the wall. Now let me give you an example of this. When this whole Charlottesville thing happened, um, there, was, uh, there, I, there was somebody in our church who I reached out to. And the reason why is because this is a person that I've known for a long time, and um, I really respect this person, and, and I, I care about them a lot and their family. 
And I noticed, I was looking around like on social media and stuff, and I noticed some, some things that the person was saying. I was like, you know, that's an interesting perspective. And not necessarily one I totally understood. And so what I decided to do is I said, I'm going to reach out to this person, and I'm gonna, I just want to talk to them and figure out where they're coming from. So, um, so I sent him a little email and said, hey, can we get together? I just want to talk to you about the whole Charlottesville thing, and just, I just want to learn from you. And, th- and so, so we met. Um, we spent several hours on a Saturday morning, and we, we met together, and we just, we just hashed it out. And all I did was, I, I, and I did not want to meet with him. To, to, I didn't want to change his mind. I didn't want him to tell him what I thought. I was not my goal at all. All I wanted to do was to listen and to learn. I just wanted to figure out why, because I wanted to be better as a pastor for the people in my church who have who have diverse opinions on things, and I honest and I honestly respected this person's thought process because they're a very educated person, and so this is what happened like last month, and so I just said, hey, can you help me understand what is it in your experience or your reading or the, your, your knowledge that has led you to these conclusions that are different than mine? And so here's a couple things. When I ask questions, let me tell you a couple things that happen when you ask questions. And this, again, this is a tactic that's very, 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 very important because it disarms people. And when you're, when you're asked questions, this is one of the ways that you show. You go, how do I show kindness to people, especially in this culture? And one of the ways you do it is by asking questions. When you, when you ask questions, you, you, one of the first things that happen is you learn. You're learning. The second thing is, you're actually, when you do that, you're actually showing kindness to the person. You're showing because you're taking a genuine interest in them. So not only are you learning about stuff that you didn't know, and that could, you still could think they're completely wrong. I'm not looking to necessarily change my opinion, per se, but I am looking to understand something different. And so you do this, and you realize that you might disagree, but here's the thing. You understand how the person got there. And here's the crazy part, guys. What you find out, and this is so, 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 so important. What you find out when you ask questions with an honest person who's telling you, you're having a discussion about how you disagree on an issue, and then you're listening to how they got to their conclusion, you're going to realize that you still may disagree with them, but they are not an evil person. And now what are you going to do with that, huh? What are you going to do when you see the logic of a person's viewpoint that's different than yours and you realize it's got some substance and merit to it and it's not just because they're idiots or it's not not because they're evil? What are you going to do? That's going to rock your world a little bit. Because you're all walking around going, anyone disagrees with me is a moron, right? Because that's what the media is telling you. That's what everyone's telling you. If someone disagrees with you, they're hateful, they're ignorant, they're stupid, they don't care about America, they're racist. You know, all this crap that people throw out there. And all of a sudden you sit down and you talk about someone who's on a different side of the issue and you realize that they're smart, they're kind, they're well-meaning, they love people, they love America, they love their family, they love people different than them. They just have a different viewpoint and all of a sudden your world just got rocked. What are you going to do? What happens, though, is the third thing that happens when you ask questions. You get an ally. You get an ally. You get a friend, but you get an ally. You get someone that you now have a relationship with trust on a, pers- on a different level. See, I've always believed that when you just connect with people that think the same way you do, you feel like you have a relationship, but you really don't. You, you only have a, like a point of connection on that issue, but you don't, you haven't had your relationship tested through disagreement. So the minute you do, you realize, I never really liked this person anyway. They just voted the same way I did, or they just believed the same things I did about this issue or that issue. But once you actually went sideways on something, you realize you didn't have, they weren't very, a kind person, or they 
they weren't someone that you really got along with. But now, when you disagree with someone, what you do in a respectful way, you start to be able to rapport with that person where you go, hey, this is kind of cool. I, I like you. That's weird. I like you, and you and I disagree. And now you have an ally. So what happens is you go back to your group or the people you know, and they start going, yeah, these people on the other side, they're just a bunch of morons and idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. And you go, actually, that's not true. Because I have a friend who is on the other side of the issue, and they're pretty smart, and they care about people. They just see things differently. And then look out, right? Because now you're on the outs with your group. Because they're like, no, these guys are morons. But what are you doing? You're building a bridge. You're building a bridge. And that is how it begins to change. And by the way, during our conversation, this guy and I, we were talking, and uh, he was going, he's like, Tim, this is how we solve it. Just like this. This is how we solve problems. Just you and I, just, just, just talking it out, man. This is good stuff. Just talking it out. Yeah, that's how we solve it. If everybody did this, we'd have a different world. But what is the driver behind it? Because It's not because I'm a great guy or he's a great guy. It's because we both huddle around the gospel. And if we both huddle around the gospel, realize, man, I don't have it all figured out. I needed, I needed this to be saved by Jesus Christ. And, 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 and this person that I'm in disagreement with on this issue, he's loved by God just like, you know, and, and he, just like I'm loved by God. So you see what I'm saying? So the gospel compels you. It moves you forward into these things. Now it says bear with one another. Now when it says bear with one another in that verse, it literally means put up with each other. Isn't that crazy? Put up with each other. I don't want to do that. Why put up with you when I can go to another church? Why put up with you when I can get my cubicle, you know, move to a different place? Why put up with you when I just have to hang out with you for three more weeks and I never have to see you again or I can defriend you on Facebook or whatever? Why put up with you? You're annoying. Life's too short. Instead, now remember, context more of, in this case, is the church. So it's important. The context is the church, but it says bear with one another. And I never really understood that. I didn't really like, why, what's the, why do I have to bear with you? I mean, like, why can't I just go and hang out with other people? Now, last December, um, we got together. I mentioned I'm part of this denomination, and I got together last December with another meeting of these denominational guys, and it was to talk about some stuff with church planting because we're involved in that. And, and so we sit down at this meeting, and there's a bunch of these guys in the room, um, several ladies as well, and the, the, uh, the, the topic of conversation was, was pretty benign. It was like, should we start a church planting team at the national level of this organization that could meet together, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a no-brainer. I don't know why this is such a big deal, but there were all these um, kind of constituencies and whatever, and all of a sudden, these guys start, like, having this, like, three-hour fight over this, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm sitting in this room, and I go, and this is, like, the most dysfunctional group of people I ever met in my life. I'm like, I'm just gonna get back on the plane and get out of here. I'm like, this isn't for me. This is, who, what a bunch of morons. And look at these guys, like, I don't want this. What about this? And you, I remember back in 2002, we did, I'm like, Man, what is, you guys, this is really dysfunctional. But the more I was hanging around the group, I mean, I literally, I, I don't get headaches much. I got a headache from these guys. I'm like, just make a decision, you know? So frustrating. But the more I was hanging out with them and watching this, the more, because I was like the new guy, the more I started realizing, wait, these guys go back a long way. They've got history. And right under the surface, man, they're tight. Like they actually love each other. 
they've been through a lot of stuff over the years and they've endured a lot of different things and they've, got, they've gotten some things done. But there is some organizational, there's some broad organizational changes that were bringing up some, some sensitive things. But they had the relationship. I thought, I thought, man, these guys are gonna fight, like physically, like why would you, what this guy said, why wouldn't you just attack him? The reason why is because they love each other. You see, when you have a relationship, you earn the right to be able to speak into people's lives. And they have, they have borne with one another over a long period of time. And you cannot fast track that, you guys. You cannot fast track that. And I realize that what makes a healthy culture, a healthy church, is not that we all walk in lockstep with each other. That's not the point. The point is that we hang together over a long period of time and we begin to kind of put up with each other and then we begin to kind of, we become part of each other's lives. You know, um, here's the deal. If we get the gospel right, we can work everything else out. Please understand that. That's why I put it on the screen. If we get the gospel right, if we get the gospel wrong, we'll fight as the days long because we'll prioritize everything. But if we get the gospel right, that I'm a great sinner, but Jesus is a great savior, we, we always make that central in our discussions, in our and we understand that that's what our church is about, that's what our lives should be about. So you know what? We can disagree on politics. We can disagree on this issue or that issue or that issue because we, we share the gospel and because th that's how you go to heaven. That's what you're saying. You're not saved because of Republicans or Democrats. You're not saved because of taxation or immigration. You're not then that stuff saves you. What saves you is the message of Jesus and that's what we have in common. And we can, we can learn from each other and we can, you know, we may not be best friends with each other, but as a church and as connection groups, you guys, over time, we begin to, to get tight even in the midst of our differences. And that doesn't, that doesn't, that takes a lot of time. There's another guy in our church who I built up some relational capital with over the, few, over the past few years and he and I see things differently as well too. And um, he did not vote for the same person in the election that I did. And we talked about that. And, you know, and we have disagreements on a lot of things. And so I, we have, we, I, mean, I love making friends with guys like this, by the way. And, and um, he's very concerned about immigration. And so he wrote me an email last week. And he said, he, and he asked this question, he had a whole bunch of questions he wanted to ask me because he's like, Tim, the civility series is great, but like, you know, why don't you get down to some of the nitty gritty of um, some of the issues and that kind of thing. And here's a bunch of questions that I have and a lot of them had to do with immigration. And one of his questions was this, how does the gospel deal with illegal immigrants who fled for their family's safety, such as from Honduras or a cartel state in Mexico? These people are not granted refugee status, but are simply protecting their family. He says, how, do, how does the gospel inform us on what to do about people who illegally come to this country, but they came to this country running from their lives because where they were, they got in trouble with the drug cartels or whatever else, and they had to split or they were going to get killed. He goes, what do we do with those people? Now, you know what I love about that question? Let me tell you why I love that question. I love the question because of the way he started the question. He said, how does the gospel deal with this stuff? Oh, that's good. That's good. Because he doesn't ask, like, what should the government do? He didn't ask, what would the Democrats say? What would the Republicans say? He says, what does the gospel teach us about how we should respond to someone in that situation who is illegally here but on the run. Now, this sermon is not about immigration. 
This sermon is about civility. But it's an example, and we could talk about those issues all day long. But the gospel complicates things, doesn't it? It complicates stuff. Because it's not as cut and dry when you start looking at it through those eyes. Because on the one hand, a nation has got to have borders. A nation's got to be able to have a sense of like, this is where it it is, and this is where it isn't. These are the people that belong, and these are the people that don't. Everybody knows that. At the same time, the, the, the scripture has a whole theology of the sojourner, a whole theology of the stranger and the alien because the, the, if you read the whole story of scripture, the Israelites were people who were on the move and when they finally got to the promised land, there were laws that said if someone comes to your house, you take them in and you feed them and you care for their animals and you care for their family and then you send them on their way wherever they're going next, but you do not reject the stranger. In fact, even the word hospitality means literally stranger lover. And so in Peter, we're called aliens and strangers in the world because now here we are, we're in a home that's not our home. The scripture says it's in Hebrews. We belong to a better country. We're not even, we don't belong in this place. We are are aliens in this land because God has prepared for us a new heaven and a new earth and that's where we belong. And so we exist in a place that is not our home as well. Now that's not necessarily, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not saying that's how we should dictate public policy per se. I'm not, that's not, that's sometimes where there's confusion. But at the same time, let's see things through gospel eyes. And when we do, we may see them with a little bit different focus than we had before. Because we go, wait a second, there's something to be said for the humanity of the person. Now again, I am not advocating for any kind of, don't read into what I'm saying. That's not the point. The point is that you look at stuff not from what the media is churning out and telling you, not what the talking points are, but you become immersed in the gospel, which is why it says in verse 16, let the word of Christ, what's the word of Christ? The gospel. That's all it is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which, by the way, I love that, because there's some people that go, you know, you guys, people should, in church, you should only sing hymns. Really? Because it says here to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's not a hymn, right? There's a distinction. So, you know, those of you that are like, oh, it's hymns only, um, you're crazy because you're unbiblical because it says there's more than just that. (laughs) I'm just saying, he says spiritual songs, right? So there you go. We're not singing Bieber songs here. Unless they were spiritual songs, then we might sing those too. Some of you think that they are. I don't know, but probably not. Anyway, whatever. So that's what it is. It's messy. It's messy. This is another reason why we have connection groups. This is why we're doing this, guys. We're having these connection groups, and you're, right, you're making notes. You're coming together. You might sit down and go, man, Pastor Tim's message was horrible. I hated it. Okay, I don't care. Just sh- at least just show up for it and listen to it, because then you can go back to your connection group. You can complain about it, whatever. They'll, hopefully, someone will defend me, but if not, that's okay. <clears throat> and, and, you can, and you can write your thoughts on here, and, this, and that's where you hash out. So you teach and admonish, and the word admonish means to counsel about avoidance or cessation of an improper course of conduct. So you counsel someone, hey, I'm not sure that's the right idea. I'm not sure that's the right thought, but that takes relational capital. 
You can't just walk up to somebody you don't know and go, uh, let me tell you how to do that better. I mean, I've had people come up to me and do that. It's like, I think I'm going to listen to you. Well, let me tell you what I think you should do. Uh, please don't, because I don't know you. Yeah, I don't know your credentials. And I don't even know, and by the way, more than your credentials, I don't know if you like me or not or care about me. I'm not going to get admonished by somebody who doesn't care about me. It's pound sand, man. I don't know who you are. But if you love me, and you and I have walked together for a while, you have the right to speak into my life. You do. Which is, by the way, what I told my friend that I met with when we talked about Charlottesville. I said, hey man, you've been in my church for like almost or longer than I've been here. And you've, you've, you've heard me say some stuff that you probably went, man, I wish you wouldn't have said that. And you come, you come anyway. I can't tell you what, I know told him, I said, listen, will you do me a favor? If I say something that along the way, and you go, you know what, I, that, that was a little tone deaf, like, I know, I know Tim, I know Tim, and, and, and I don't think he meant to say it like that, I said, you have permission to, to tell me, because I don't want to be a guy that says stuff that un- unknowingly, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm going to say hard stuff, and sometimes people aren't going to like it, I get that, but I don't want to say something unknowingly, so I have a person who's got my back, I got a person that goes, no, I know Tim. He, he, didn't, he didn't mean that the way it came out. You, and maybe I didn't see. I mean, I don't know because I, I talked to somebody from a different culture and I say something and I, I didn't know. You have the right to tell me. But see, that's how we do this, you know? And that's how we do this in a way that's so, we're the only ones that can do this. The culture had, doesn't, doesn't have the tools. All they have is this pathetic political correctness, which is all about microaggressions and this phony kind of dance. We have to learn all this new lingo of what you can say and what you can't say. And you're always saying something wrong. And there's all these self-righteous people correcting you. You know, you can't say that anymore. And actually, that's very racist, even though you didn't mean anything by it. And this is ridiculousness. And it's very, very self-righteous and very evil, but the world doesn't know. Of course everybody, to be self-righteous feels awesome. There's no humility. Humility is 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 something that you get when you realize that you have something that you were wrong in, like sin, and you've been rescued from, and that brings you to humility. But if you don't have any, if you don't think you're a sinner, why would you ever be humble about anything? Now here's the thing. My question or my challenge to you is this. Can you try to build, this is my challenge to you. Because we taught, we can, I mean, I didn't have a chance to go through the whole passage. I can't, I can't hit the whole passage. So what's an action step for you? And next week's going to be really fun. We're going to do something different next week. You're going to like next week. Um, <clears throat> so you got to make sure and be here. And bring like five of your friends. Actually, that is my point. Here's my point. Find an ally. Find an ally. Reach out to someone who you don't agree with. Don't check out. Don't sell out. But reach out and find, build an alliance, a friendship, a level of trust with someone that you're on opposite sides with. And maybe you already have that person. Lean into that relationship more. Don't worry about talking yet. Don't worry about talking. That's not important. Listen. Listen and love. Just do that. And that's coming from a guy, trust me. We go, Pastor Jim, you getting soft on us? No, no, no. Trust me, okay? I, even this week, I will tell you, even this week, I was in it, I was, 
in meetings with people and there was stuff I was like, I, I, my wife texted me. She's like, how are you? And, and, I, and I wrote back, I wrote, I'm living without anger. Because <laughs> that was my sermon last week, right? How I got like totally pounded from the sermon, like living without anger. And I just wrote back, I'm living without anger. Because I was sitting around people that, that it was, it's kind of a long story, but I was like, okay. And, and I just, like I wanted so bad and I'm like, it's not, it's not worth it, Jacobs. Just, and it doesn't mean that I, that I don't, but, but, so it was good. This was a good test. In fact, I mean, I wish, I wish, I mean, this is cathartic for me. I, I, like, I struggled this week, you guys. I just, I struggled with people this week. I struggled with people. And, um, I just did. But you know what? Do your best. Find someone in your life and say, how can I reach out to them? And to stop, will you stop worrying about being right? You know, I, don't, don't give up your convictions, but don't stop worrying about, reach out, ask the, and listen, and just see what happens. See, see if, if you don't let the wall come down, and then, the, and then the other person will say, well, maybe they might ask you a question. Or if nothing else, you'll build rapport. If nothing, see, the, here's the question, guys. Are, are we willing to sacrifice the gospel in order to be right? Seriously. Are you willing to sacrifice the gospel so you can win an argument? And I think some of us are. Like, we honestly think if we can prove our point with, with all of these issues going on in our society right now, and we can show that we're right, and in the process we come off like jerks, and then people go, man, those Christians, like, they're like, what a bunch of jerks. And we think we've won? Just don't, don't worry. Ask a question, listen, and build an ally. That's all you got to do. And, and, and it, may, it may not work, but try it. Yes, we have, I'm telling you, we have got to be people who, who, are, who are reaching out to those beyond us in ways that make us feel very uncomfortable. We gotta be doing that. And we'll realize that under the surface there's wonderful people that God has made in his image and they just see things differently from us. And we maintain the dignity of the human being in the face of sharp disagreement. I've told you this, and, and I mean, you know, some people got frustrated with me for saying this a couple weeks ago, that I'm never going to change my convictions on certain social issues. I'm just never going to change. But you know what I can do? I can change. Um, I can change how I approach things in a way that, that is going to be something that's going to, to, to be at least to people. People go, okay, you know, I, I, can, I can listen to this person or, or I can reach out to this person. But I, I'm not going to change my convictions ever. If nothing else, my convictions are more strong than they ever were. So like I said, it all goes back to the gospel. Some of us need to embrace that today. I started this message off by saying, you know what? The gospel has a message. I'm a great sinner, but Jesus is a great savior. If you miss either one of those, see, if you miss the fact that you're a great sinner, you'll become a person that just walks around going, oh, I'm a good person, and okay, keep fooling yourself. If you miss the great savior part, you'll become a legalist who's trying to do everything right and beating yourself up over everything. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that perfect blend of both. I recognize that I'm, without Jesus, I'm lost. I got, some, I got a monster called sin inside me that will destroy me and send me straight to hell. But because of Jesus, I have a Savior who loves me and who saved me and redeemed me and I've got nothing to fear and I've got a life where I can follow him and live brand new. 
And that's the life that we're all invited to. And I invite you, if you haven't done that, to do that today, to make that decision. And if you've already done that, you need to find people in your life who haven't heard that message. You know, I heard a guy, I heard a woman, when I, we have the Life 360 classes, it's amazing to me. The first thing I talk about is, is we talk about what is the church. We say, what is, if you guys been through Life 360, you know this. We reach one one we say, what is the church? And the reason we do that is because the amount of times Christianity has been misrepresented to people through, through just churches that have just been mean or just got the gospel wrong. And then it's no wonder people to, to avoid these places like the plague. It's no wonder that I don't even like to call myself a pastor out there sometimes because people go, and they'll, they'll relate to me like the guy that they grew up with, and they go, oh man. So I go, I'm a pastor, but you know, and then I, I tell them, but, but or, or they're surprised, like you're a pastor? You're, you? You're, but, you're, but you're not mean. <laughs> you're not boring, you know? You, whatever. It's ama- I, it blows my mind how we've misrepresented Christianity to the world. We've got to stop doing that, guys. We've got to love people. And it's possible to love people. And it's also possible to tell them the truth. But we uphold human dignity at all costs. It's very important. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I need to surrender myself to that message. I need to become someone who's been forgiven for my sin. Then right where you are, just tell them, just say, you know what, God, I, I believe that I, I know I'm a great sinner. I know. I know. I'd be lying to myself and the world if I said I wasn't. But you're a great Savior. And so I re- receive your forgiveness right now. I believe and put my faith and trust in you you're a good father who sent your only son to trade places with me so that I could walk free. So today I put my faith in, in you. God, as we, um, we look at this whole issue of, of putting on these clothes, compassion and kindness, grace, It's hard. It's really hard. The problem is, is this is what you showed to us. And we would be the most hypocritical people in the world if we stood on self-righteous soapboxes and condemned those around us when you did not condemn us. So help us walk that fine line between maintaining our convictions even if it kills us even if we lose everything to never ever 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 sell out and yet at the same time to be people who love like no other who ask questions humble curiosity so to win the hearts and minds of people around us and develop true relationships and be the most civil people on the planet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.